0: Welcome to the connect church podcast our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with god you can connect with god and we can help We're in this series, The King Has Come, because all too often in life, we'll get what we wish for, but we end up disappointed, let down, frustrated, because it's not what we expected. And one of the areas of life in which this can be uh, very common and also very aggravating is in the realm of leadership, whether it's a dad, a president, a civic official, a teacher, a professor, a pastor, whoever it is, someone who has influence and leadership in our life, we expect them to be a strong leader, someone who will walk in wisdom and someone who will bring peace and stability to our lives. Now, for whatever it's worth, I think these are noble desires, noble expectations even for our leaders. But with these hopes and dreams, what do we do? Well, we elect them, we appoint them, we hire them. And what happens is these leaders let us down. We've experienced it in government. We've experienced it in the church, education, some of us even in our own homes. I don't need to list the names because there seems to be a whole new slew of them, seemingly every month, all across the headlines. Leaders, good people who've done good things, who fall. And then, you know who experiences the fallout? We experience the fallout. We experience the hurt, the pain. The people we were following have fallen. So what do we do? Well, we elect them, we appoint them, we hire them again to do it all over again. Believe it or not, I'm not bitter about leadership. I actually am fascinated by leadership. I studied leadership in grad school. I attend leadership conferences, read leadership books for fun, and even listen to leadership podcasts in my free time. Weird, I know. But I believe, based on my study of leadership, we are weird. Sorry, no. We we are wired. We are wired. Though some of us are weird, we are wired to follow the leader. It's not just a game we play as kids. We are wired to follow the leader. But all of us have felt the fallout from the, the headlines. The one we admired fell. Could it be that our, our misplaced hope is not in leadership, it's in human leaders? You might be thinking, okay, Chris, I'm tracking with you, but what does this have to do with Christmas? It actually has a lot to do with Christmas because the Christmas story didn't start days, weeks, or even months before the first Christmas. It actually started long before that. And it... We're tracking with this plot line that led up to the first Christmas, the story of the people of God. And we saw last time that the Israelites, the people of God, wished for a king, a human king, so they'd be like all the other nations. And God gave them a human king, as we'll see today. But what we learned is that we got to be careful what we wish for, because it's not what we want. You see, God gave them a king. His name was Saul. And it didn't go as they expected in fact today we're going to look at saul's life and we're going to look at the second king of israel david's life and we're going to see together where we should look to have our longing for leadership satisfied if you got a bible i would invite you to follow along with me we're going to look at various passages in both first samuel and second samuel so you can follow along And what might be easiest today is actually following along in the app. You see, if you click the message notes tile, it'll have all the passages right there, and you can very easily follow along as well as jot down some notes as we move. So as we jump in, let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask God to speak to us about where we should look to have our longing for leadership satisfied. Lord, we come before you and we ask that you will speak, that you will speak to us through your word, that you'll speak to us through the message you've given me to share, and would you reveal to us where we should look to find good and and lasting leadership. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, picking up in 1 Samuel 9 verse 2, where we're introduced to Saul, Israel's first king. Kish, had a son named Saul, a handsome young man, as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. It sounds like Saul would have been a good candidate for the cover of men's magazine, which in the eyes of the Israelites meant Saul was a great candidate for king. Now, God played along. He let the Israelites have it their way, and Saul is appointed king. And Saul actually started off well. Most good leaders do. Saul had some military victories and such, but then he grew prideful and it happened he fell you see he had disobeyed god's instructions not once but twice and then he lied about it and because of this samuel who appointed saul on god's behalf samuel had this heated confrontation with saul in which he said this this is now in first uh, samuel 15 26 through 28 but samuel said to him i will not go back with you I have reject you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel as Samuel turned to leave Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and it tore Samuel said to him the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors to one better than you and like that Saul was canceled Saul continued to reign as king until he died but from that point on, his leadership lacked luster because he led out of personal like insecurity rather than a humble confidence in God. Saul went from being the hero to the foil in the unfolding story of God. Now, we're all familiar who the hero is in a story, but What's the foil? You know, some of us English majors, we might remember who the foil character is, but for the rest of us, this is how the Encyclopedia Britannica defines foil. In literature, a character who is presented as a contrast to a second character, so as to point to or show to advantage some aspect of the second character. For example, in the Sherlock Holmes stories, Dr. Watson is the foil to sherlock holmes because dr watson's stupidity magnifies sherlock holmes brilliance saul is the foil to david you see in contrast to saul's bravado david was the youngest of eight sons he was the runt of the litter his dad jesse didn't even consider david a candidate for king when samuel showed up one day now, if you've ever been looked down on, you've been passed over, cast aside, I hope David's story inspires hope in you today. Because what David's earthly father failed to see was what God, or what God David's heavenly father, cherished most about him. And that's revealed to Samuel when Samuel was considering appointing one of David's older brothers as the next king of Israel, Uh, the Lord kind of revealed this to Samuel, that he values the heart, and he said it this way in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. As humans, we size up other humans by their size, but the Lord sizes up humans by their heart. It's the heart that matters to God. And Saul's heart, he had turned from God. Whereas David, David had a heart yielded to God. And and when a heart is yielded to God, it is ready to be used by God. God did some amazing things in David's life. See, The Israelites were out at battle one day, and David, little David, ended up conquering giant Goliath while Saul cowered back at the Israelites' camp. And this led to David's popularity polls skyrocketing, which also led to Saul's insecurity elevating. The the principle being that unhealthy leadership is insecure and envious of others. If we find ourselves following an insecure, envious leader, this needs to to raise a caution in our life, and, and it should cause us to do one of two things. One, we should either approach that person and talk to them about it if we can, or two, we should follow somebody else if we can't. And if we find ourselves as insecure parents or insecure bosses or envious of someone else because of X, Y, or Z, This should cause us to to turn back to God, to yield our hearts back to God, because a heart yielded to God is a heart ready to be used by God. Back to Saul and David. Saul spent the uh, remaining years of his life just totally chasing after David, pursuing David, wanting to kill David, because he saw David as a threat. Interestingly, David actually had multiple opportunities to kill Saul himself and to just step in to, as Israel's next king. And, and he, was, that was, he knew that was the game plan. But what's so fascinating about David is that David didn't take Saul's life and David actually mourned when Saul died. Why? Why would, why would David not take Saul's life? When Saul wanted to kill him, why would David mourn his enemy's death? Because David didn't need to rush the process. You see, sure, he was in line to be the next king. But he trusted God to bring about his plan, his way on his timeline. Got to be honest with you, as a dad, as a pastor, as a husband, this challenges me. And it actually makes me respect David all the more because, I don't know about you, I'm all about God's plan. I just want it my way on my timeline. I guess this is just one more reason why David famously came to be known as a man after God's own heart. After David did become king, his winning streak continued. He uh, took the, the city of Jerusalem back. He secured the capital for the Israelites. Another thing he did, he defeated the Philistines, the Israelites' arch enemies And, and he even brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. The, the Ark of the Covenant was filled with all these relics of God's past faithfulness and a reminder to his people that, that God was present with them. One day, in all of David's success, he's just kind of kicking back. He's relaxing at his palace, feet up, and he has this thought. You know, God's given me a pretty sweet house. I should make him a house. Nathan, one of David's court prophets, just said, David, you know, God's got you. you. Go for it, man. A statement that God quickly had Nathan retract because that was not God's plan. You see, David planned to build God a house, but God planned to build David a house. He said it like this in 2 Samuel 7, 5 through 16. It's a bit of a longer passage, but I encourage you, listen up, because this sets the scene for the manger scene that first Christmas day. 2 Samuel 7, 5 through 16. Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Whether I have moved wherever I have moved, with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people, "Why have you not built me a house of cedar?" I guess this was God's way of saying, uh, "Thanks, but no thanks." David continues, "Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says." "'I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, "'and appointed you ruler over my people, Israel. "'I have been with you wherever you've gone, "'and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. "'Now I will make your name great, "'like the names of the greatest men on earth. "'And I will provide a place for my people, Israel, "'and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own "'and no longer be disturbed. "'Wicked people will not oppress them anymore "'as they did at the beginning.' And I've done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people, Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and and you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish... The throne of his kingdom forever i will be his father and he will be my son when he does wrong i will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands but my love will never be taken away from him as i took it away from saul when i removed him from before you and then god sums up his promise this way he says your house in your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. David had plans for God, but God had plans for David. And David knew God well enough that he knew that God's plans trumped his personal plans. But little did David know that God's plan was far greater than his son Solomon one day building a temple for him. Oh no, God had much bigger plans to connect his people in a relationship with him. And God planned to accomplish this plan through David's family line. When God promises something to us, how should we respond? David's actually a great example of how we should respond. Because the way he responded, even in the verses that follow in 2 Samuel 7, we see David pray. And in his prayer, he's praising God for who he is. He's thanking God for what he's done. And he's trusting God to do what he said he'll do. Why would David respond this way? Because prayer is the posture of one after God's own heart it's no wonder david penned over 70 psalms now you might not be the journaling type but may we be a people who pray first when we hear a promise from god when when he provides something or 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 a new opportunity maybe uh it's when the pregnancy test is positive or when the there's a you get accepted to the program or a new door opens may our knees hit the ground and may we praise God for who He is. May we thank God for what He's done. May we trust God that He's going to do what He said He'll do. After this experience, uh, David continues to experience God's favor and faithfulness. Uh, you see, And he lets that overflow from his life, like blessing just overflows from David and it impacts those uh, in the realm of his influence, which as the king, that was quite a few people. Now, the ancient Near Eastern custom was that uh, when when a king became king, he would wipe out the previous king's family line so as to remove any possibility of revolt. David though, what he did is he actually took his influence and he did for Saul's family what they couldn't do for themselves. David had Mephibosheth brought before him. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson. And he had some physical challenges. And what David didn't do is David didn't just kill Mephibosheth. That would have been what was expected. David actually gave Mephibosheth land to live on and a seat at his own table. David, his extending mercy, using his power to show Mephibosheth grace, reminds me of Jesus. It reminds me of how Jesus used the power influence that he had to extend mercy and grace to the least of these. Mercy and grace to us. And as I think of David, it makes me pause and and consider, you know, how can I overflow the blessing of God to those around me this Christmas? David's leadership really was better than Saul's leadership. But better isn't God's best. And that's a good thing because it wasn't long until David slipped too. You see, instead of using his power for the good of others like he did with Mephibosheth, David used his power to exploit others for personal gain. David lost to lust. While his army was out at war, he was on his palace rooftop and he looked down and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And he had her brought to him and he slept with her. Making Bathsheba, if, if it was today, she'd be the next installment in the, the hashtag Me Too movement. You see, Bathsheba was married. And when David got wind that Bathsheba was pregnant, he starts to panic. So he has... Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, brought back from battle and he encourages Uriah to go enjoy time with his wife. But Uriah doesn't go home. He sleeps on the streets. He he didn't wanna enjoy the pleasures of marriage when his fellow soldiers were out of battle. This just spotlights David's sin all the more. When, When plan A failed, David went with plan B and he sent Uriah back to battle with a message for Joab. David's commander, to put Uriah out on the front lines and then pull back so that Uriah was sure to die in battle. Now when David catches wind that that Uriah did in fact die in battle, he thinks everything's covered over. Bathsheba comes, they get married, etc. And it's then that Nathan comes before David and confronts David about his sin. At David's lowest point, his darkest hour, it's then that David's true colors show. He prayed. He repented of his sin and turned back to God. Psalm 51 actually documents it for us. And I mean, just listen to even just the first couple verses of what David wrote. He says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And for another 17 verses, David pours out his heart in repentance to God, recognizing that he fell short and recognizing that God is merciful and lavish in his forgiveness. Now, like David, may we pray first when we fall short, when we use others to get our way, When we're harsh with our kids, when we are quick tempered in a meeting, may we pour out our heart before God in repentance, turning from that sin and in receiving God's mercy and forgiveness. I wish I could tell you that at this point in David's life, everything turned around and everything was good again, but I'd be lying to you. You see, David's life just spiraled out of control after this and and it's really it's sad to see and and the hard part is like when a when a leader like david when a well-respected leader falls the fallout is hurtful it's painful and david's own family there was rape there was murder there was conspiracy just all out pandemonium it's like merry christmas fortunately this isn't the end of the story. You see, the promise of Christmas is that God's promises prevail even when leaders fail. God's promises prevail even when leaders fail. As Saul was the foil to David, David was the foil to Jesus. Jesus came from the family line of David. He was born in Bethlehem, the town of David. And David was a better king than Saul. But better isn't God's best. Better points to best. David fell prey to temptation. But Jesus was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. So we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. David, David killed Uriah. But Jesus, Jesus was killed for our gain. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we, you and I, might become the righteousness of God. David's family crumbled in the second half of his life. But Jesus is building the family of God. Scripture tells us, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. While our leaders may fail, while we may fail, God's promises Prevail. And check out this promise that God made. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the lord almighty will accomplish this church we have a leader who is strong and wise he is perfect and pure faultless in all his ways he he brings peace and stability he is the king of kings and lord of lords he is the promise of christmas he is Jesus. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for that. We thank you that even better human leaders aren't the best leader. You are the best leader. And we look to you as the Lord of our life, the King who sits on the throne of our heart, the one that we follow. So would you help us to follow you, to honor you? yes, this Christmas and every day of our life. We ask this in your name and for your glory.